Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right, so typically on Memorial Day weekends, um, when when you're in the church, uh, typically what people will do is they will talk about Joshua 4, which is essentially about the time when the Israelites were moving through the River Jordan, and they ended up crossing over on dry ground. I, I kind of actually find it kind of interesting. Like God actually stops the flow of water a few times throughout the Bible, you know? And so they were able to walk through the River Jordan completely dry, and at the end of it, um, they were asked to take 12 stones from the riverbed and build this monument as a memorial of God's faithfulness during that time. But for me, what I wanted to do is I actually want to talk a little bit more about a personal story that I have and about a monument that I actually built. And that'll make a little bit more sense to you after this. So basically, as many of you may or may not know, I would think that most of you would probably know this by now. I don't necessarily have the greatest vision. Okay, Um, my eyes are my vision is about 2200 without corrective lenses, and it's just barely below the legal driving limit with my corrective lenses. Um, And then on top of that, I also have a lot of issues with color. I'm not really color blind, but certain colors look very similar to me or um, there's contrast within one color and another color that looks better to me than other people, which is probably why when you see the worship slides, sometimes they may be very difficult to read, but I can see them. uh, So that's why I do it. So, you know, get over it. So with that, though, my visual disability has actually been with me um, for my entire life from the very beginning, going all the way back to when I was born. And I even had like little glasses when I was six months old. My mom, who's in the living room of Kylie's house, can verify that as well. Um, Having bad eyes, it's obviously come with its challenges and uh, insults and mockery. I've been called, obviously, the classic four eyes. I've been called blindy, which isn't very creative. Um, but it's still, you know, it's still kind of current. So because of that, I've tried to actually blend in as much as possible and to not really draw any attention to it. However, there's one specific example that I want to hone in on. Um, I moved to a new school up in Warren, Pennsylvania. Uh, I moved, so I was just kind of by myself up there, new school, new environment. Nobody really knew that I had any visual problems. Uh, And this one specific scenario is actually sitting in a science class. I think it was uh, when I moved in there. I was a sophomore in high school. It was in my science class. And this was actually before the era of computers and presentation software within the classroom. So we actually had to use transparencies. I don't know if everybody, if anybody's ever really used transparencies for like, like seeing them or like for education purposes there for teaching they are really really hard for me at least to see claire gives me the thumbs up yes (laughs) um so they were really hard for me to see and oftentimes what would end up happening is that i just couldn't really see what was on them so i actually had like a relationship within like an iep plan and stuff like that with some people in my class that they would basically take notes from when the teacher was talking and then I would end up actually copying their notes down onto my paper because I could take my time. I could do it. I could see it. So at that time I was copying down some people's notes and 
some kids next to me, they were asking me, you know, why, why are you doing that? You know, uh, why are you copying somebody else's notes now? Why can't you just look what's up there? You know, and then on top of that, they also saw that I had different type of paper. So another thing is like, traditionally paper would be like blue lined. I had like this like thick black line paper because I would be writing on the paper and I couldn't see the colors of the, of the blue. And so like my sentences would like go down and stuff like that. So all that to be said <clears throat> is that these things were being noticed by my peers within the classroom. And so I basically, I had no, no choice. I had to tell these people that I had this visual problem, that I had this issue that I was been going on. And then in all of their high school uh, maturity, they were like, oh, what color is this? What color is that? Hey, do you see that sign over there? Can you say what color that is? You know, all this kind of stuff. It like, that is like my most hated thing in the world, you know, to the point that like I asked them, I was just like, hey, you know, just I can't see the colors very well. Can you just stop? You know, that's just, it's not cool, you know? And so, but they kept asking, they kept asking, they kept poking, they kept prodding to the point where like, I can't, I think Jared mentioned it last week or something with anger, you know, and like in from inside out, it just blows up the top. I literally, I stood up, I yelled at them. I basically said, you, I am not a circus animal to perform tricks for you. And I walked out of the class in the middle of the science class that I was doing or that I was part of. I was horrified. I was embarrassed because my secret was out. And I was angry because I even had this thing that I had to deal with in general. You know, I was born with this. I didn't get to choose. I obviously have a visual disability, but it, it is what it was. So I was, I was, I was ticked off. At that time, I promised myself that I would not get embarrassed again because of my vision. And I actually, I promised myself to not pursue things where vision was an issue for me where it had to be part of a consideration. And because of that, I didn't drive until my mid twenties. I couldn't pursue careers that I ultimately kind of felt like I wish I could have done like in medicine or maybe in the military. And it actually kind of made my personality shy. Uh, I didn't, so since I can't see people very far away, you know, until they come closer to me, um, I don't really smile at them. I kind of look down until they're within like five feet from me and I can notice it. So it's kind of like one of those scenarios where like somebody's waving high and you think they're waving at you, but in reality, they're actually waving to the person behind you, you know? And so that's, it's like that for me quite a bit of time. And so, um, I'm just like, I kind of avoid that, you know? So essentially the point of it all is that I allowed that one instance to define who I was. I built a monument, if you will, a memorial of this, of this situation in my subconscious to remind me to not go down that road. So anytime that there is something that happens in my life or a decision that I have to be made, I kind of consult that memorial. I kind of look at that monument and say like, I don't want to go down that road. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that again. And therefore I've missed out on some of the blessings that God has given to me. I've essentially, I turned that instance and my visual disability into an idol, if you will, to where I fear it, you know? And that's sort of the point here is that there's been circumstances, I'm sure, in, in, in I know in my life and maybe in your lives, where a specific example you almost put on this pedestal because of fear of, because of something that happened with it and fear of it happening again. And so the Bible is pretty clear when it comes to idols. Um, you know, so obviously like the first, 
the first commandment within Exodus 20, um, verse 4, you shouldn't have any other gods before me. Uh, Jonah 10, 14 says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God. And then basically all throughout Kings and Chronicles, the books of Kings and Chronicles are all just about the lineages of the kings and how if the kings, they, they honored the other gods, they built Asherah poles, they um, put idols even in the temple and, and stuff like that. They, they would sacrifice their children to the fire for the god Moloch and all these kind of things. They were not following the, uh, the will of God. And so the Bible said like they, they, um, they followed the will of man. They, weren't, they were not successful in the eyes of the Lord. And therefore, basically, like they were destroyed. And then out of that lineage, the kings would, uh, another set of kings would come and they would be successful in the eyes of the Lord. And they would tear down the Asherah poles. And this like, cycle would happen constantly, you know. One of the most famous ones is actually the story of Jeroboam, um, who... He, he basically, and I'm not going to read this whole thing, um, but if you want to reference it, it's actually 1 Kings 12, uh, 25 through 33, if you want to take those notes down. But basically, he's just a king that did something similar to all of the other ones but um, in terms of building up idols. But he kind of took it to that next level to where what he would do is he, even in like the temple of the Lord, he put in these Asherah poles and he would put in... Um, you know, golden calves and all of these things to the point, though, that he was actually afraid that he said, if I allowed the king, if I allowed the Israelites to worship their own God, they would turn against me. And so he developed festivals. He developed all of these things to basically stray the people of Israel away from the Lord. And they and it succeeded to where they then started worshiping all of these other gods, Baal, Asherah, you know, so on and so forth. The next chapter, 1 Kings uh, 13, there's basically a prophet of the Lord that's in there. And I'm sure, you know, theologians can probably figure out who it is. I don't know who it was because the Bible just says like a man of the Lord. Um, and basically <clears throat> what it comes down to in that part is he was telling him like your kingdom is going to come to an end. You know, you're doing what's what's wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And so basically uh, Jeroboam said, like, get out of my sight. Guards arrest this guy. And right at that time, he with God withered Jeroboam's hand. Just immediately at that point, he couldn't use it anymore. And the prophet, again, he just basically said, like, essentially paraphrasing, see, I told you. And Jeroboam said, like, please pray to your God, you know, just restore my hand. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll try to I'll try to do better, essentially. This is all paraphrasing. So his hand was restored. Now, the prophet still basically told him, like, your lineage, you know, your, your people and your lineage, you're, you're going to die, your family's going to die, all this kind of stuff. And he kind of prophesied over that at that point. Later on down the road in 2 Kings, in uh, 2 Kings 22, out of Jeroboam's lineage, though, arose one of the most famous kings, which is King Josiah. And basically what he did at that point was he he had a reckoning with all of the things that are happening at that time. He realized that the Israelites fell so far away from God that he, he destroyed everything within that kingdom, all of the Asherah poles. He destroyed all of the golden calves. He, he basically saw how far it was because in actuality, he actually found the old book of law from, you know, within the old Testament and saying, 
I mean, it was in the Old Testament, I'm sorry, but like he found the old book of law about what you should and shouldn't do. And he realized how far they came. And so he was actually able to start the process of the restoration of the king uh, from the Israelites. So the point of that is that, sorry, like King Josiah, I'm not saying I am King Josiah, I had to reckon with my idol as well. I had to reckon with my visual disability. I had to destroy the pedestal that I put it on and destroy it itself. So what I did is I realized that I don't have to be afraid of my visual disability. I realized that I don't have to consult with my eyes before I pursue something, that I can use it as a sense of motivation to get better and to do things that I want to do and to succeed as opposed to a place of fear. In our own country, we're reckoning as well with our past. There's the Confederate flag that we're reckoning with. There's monuments and memorials of Civil War generals that were happening uh, that were that are being torn down. Whether you agree with it or not, I mean, it's obviously happening within the country. You know, there's this reckoning of the past. Maybe there's a monument. Oh, sorry, my nose just messed up. There we go. Maybe there are monuments that you've built, maybe body image. Maybe you felt that you're not beautiful or pretty enough and that's preventing you from moving into a relationship. Maybe it's pornography that that's, you have an idea of what something should be and therefore that prevents you from obtaining intimacy. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you build a monument out of fear that keeps you from <clears throat> pursuing something because you're terrified of the outcome or because you were hurt in the past. God wants us to reckon with these monuments and these memorials that we've built in our lives. He wants us to consult God first, not the, uh, not these monuments or these idols that we've put in our lives. He wants us to destroy those things so that way we can truly understand the benefits and the blessings that God has for us. And that's basically it. Uh, that's what I wanted to talk about today. We'll go ahead and pray real quick, and you can open it up for some discussion. <clears throat> Dear God, just thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes. The fears that I've had, Lord, when it comes to my vision, that, that it's preventing me from moving forward in my life. The, the pain that it causes, God, <clears throat> thank you for allowing me to understand that I can use that as fuel, that I can use that as a way to motivate myself forward, and I can be an advocate for myself, an advocate for others who, who may have similar situations, God. God, you don't want us to live in fear. You don't want us to live in a, in a place where we're terrified to move forward because we were hurt in one particular example in our past. And you don't want us to have that prevent us from moving forward, God. God, so whatever it is that is in our lives, Lord, that may be blocking us from obtaining our true gifts and our true blessings from you, Lord, allow us to recognize that, open our eyes and allow us to take the steps, Lord, whatever they may be, to remove them from our lives or to have them act as fuel to 
allow us to pursue forward, God. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.